Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. Hi, I'd like to introduce you to Milo Axelrod. Milo is the voice that you hear at the top and bottom of every episode of The Todd Donald Show a graphic designer, and also a part-time podcaster. And we talk about the frequency or infrequency of their show describing a rock. In this, as well as all kind of random nonsense, including why I asked them to lend me their voice, and about growing up feeling socially inept, it was a lot of fun to chat with Milo. And if you can relate or can't relate, it should still be fun to listen to. So, from the Arctic Circle to the state of New York, here's Milo Axelrod. Like, I'm genuinely excited to have you on. As am I. Actually on the show. You're not just in the episode. (laughs) Right, right. This is for real this time. I'm talking to you. I'm talking from the Arctic Circle. You are, I believe, in Hudson Valley in the state of New York. Yeah, it's, uh, for those who don't know, about an hour and a half north of New York City. So easy access to the city. But I'm kind of in the middle of the boonies. Well, I suppose everywhere has easy access if you're driving, but I don't really no. have any sense. <laughs> Let's not make this about COVID, but can I please ask, mm. like from wherever you are so far away from me, what the hell is going on? We're we're close. We're like an hour from one of the first places in uh, the state that really like had a bad breakout. But around mm. here, I don't think it's been that bad. I live in like, I live on Main Street of a small college town that these three blocks that I live on kind of have the population density and come and flow of tourists and travelers of a big city. So it's a pretty weird place to live. I walk out my front door, actually, you know, I'm in the uh, back room of my apartment. In the front room, you hear all the cars. Uh, In a normal time, you hear all the drunk people and there's three bars within a stone's throw. (laughs) Somehow, I've been okay. I've been pretty good. It's been weird, but things seem all right here. Are you all about taking the precautions? And Oh, uh, yeah. I got a custom-fitted mask. Oh, excellent. What's your reaction if you know people who aren't taking it seriously? You know, I actually don't know anyone who's not taking it seriously. I just kind of act like they must be. And then if they're not for some right. reason, they look like, like a fool because their version of reality is not matching my completely matter-of-fact expression of what they should be doing. <laughs> Very well put. Like, I understood it all, but I, I could never put words <laughs> together. And you're the first non-Canadian that I've ever had on the show. Wow. I'm sorry for poisoning it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, I don't even know how to look at it anymore. It's a artist performer on artist performer kind of show, but I never really thought of isolating it and saying that I wouldn't be interested in having people from anywhere in the world on the show. We're coming up on at least a couple of years. 2018, I was transitioning from one podcast into another, which is this podcast. It was then called The Coffee House Crowd. I was on Libsyn and I got a couple of emails from some guys who were starting up this new thing called Anchor.fm. Yes. I got onto it. And one of the first things that I saw for you know podcasts that were already using it was describing a rock. Just randomly, I listened to it and I wanted the person whose voice that was to be a part of my life somehow. And there we go. It so, was me. Um, <laughs> 
Now, have you heard the show since I've been banding your voice on it? Yeah, yeah. I've listened to a number of episodes. There's only about three podcasts I follow regularly, but I definitely have listened to several. Well, you accepted a message or email from me and responded in kind, not only with interest in doing a voiceover thing for my podcast, but also doing it like legit. I I make a habit of never saying anything I don't mean. (laughs) (laughs) Why were you inclined? People uh, just interest me. A little bit of a tangent. When I was traveling a couple summers ago and I was in I was in Belfast in uh, Northern Ireland and I was staying at a hostel. I had to go get like uh, an extra charger or something. Uh, so I just looked up some hardware store that was nearby and walked there. And I got there and I was I went up to the person and I was like, hey, do you guys have this thing? I need it. And this guy was like, uh, no, we don't. Okay, end of conversation in my head. And he goes, but I think this store down the street has it. And I was like, oh, that was helpful. End of conversation in my head. And then he goes, here, let me look up the address for you. Wow, that was really, really nice. <laughs> so I realized from that interaction and others that uh, when you meet someone in Northern Ireland, the first assumption is that you are someone they can respect. And this was really apparent because here in New York, possibly the rest of the United States, which I've traveled some and I have found so far, when you meet a stranger, you assume that you cannot respect them and that they have to earn your respect. I like that. So I just decided to uh, default respect people. And that's pretty much why I answered. You know what? You, You tapped into something that I did want to bring up at some point. Have you heard me explain on this podcast what it is about your voice that I was uh, magnetized towards? I forget. I remember hearing it and I remember being flattered. Going back to teenage years, there's this very awkwardness to that. Oh God, yeah. I think everyone believes they experience it the same, but there are those of us who literally can't handle being in a room with people. Yeah. And um, at that age, that was very much me. What was your social life like in high school? It's interesting that you bring this up because just yesterday I had a pretty big realization about how I dealt with specifically middle school, but it definitely went into high school. I Mm -hmm. was so baffled by regular humans as I saw people at that point. Now I realize that they're just neurotypical people. I was so completely baffled. I felt like I was speaking English and they were speaking English and they were also speaking another language on top of it. And when I asked about it, they'd laugh. So I figured out a method to disconnect myself from all of that in order to just cope with the immense anxiety that I would have had otherwise. And Mm -hmm. I soaked myself in fiction just as much as humanly possible to the point that my mom was worried about me. But I just positively soaked myself at every opportunity so that when I went to school, I had all of this material in my brain and I could like sort of dissociate into it. That's a really, really big part of who I was uh, in middle school and early high school. In high school, actually, I told my mom that I was like, I don't know how to talk to people. And she's like, okay. And she gives me a self-help book, (laughs) which is hilarious. But she gave me the self-help book. As a high schooler, I actually read this self-help book. 
and I learned some key things and it really, really helped me. Stuff that I use to this day, you know? I don't know how I would have gotten there without that very nice self-help book. <laughs> and it wasn't like the 1950s fake smile until you can actually smile kind of stuff? No, no, it was good. It was something like how to talk to people and blah, blah, blah. I don't remember right. what it was called. The top takeaway that I took from it was people want to talk about themselves. If you ask people about themselves, they will be happy. Mm -hmm. That basic thing just changed everything. <laughs> That's funny because what I do on this podcast is I just make people listen to me talk about myself. Maybe, maybe that's why it's not hitting yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, that might do it. Yeah. Obviously, I like to think of everyone's experience as unique and wonderful, but I, I can relate to having felt at various points Aspergian. And yes. I had a very long, long ago former partner was convinced that I had it. There are people like myself who have just had maybe developmental deficits. That doesn't mean it's a condition. But if the spectrum's wide enough, everyone in the planet's on it, right? So they say, um, yeah. I've actually realized, right. man, a year ago, two years ago, that I am autistic. Turns out that autism in males is totally different than autism in uh, everyone else. And no one did research on all the other people. So no one knew. <laughs> so <laughs> I did a lot of it. I did a lot of reading on uh, on, on like autism in women, which I am non-binary, which is why I didn't say just women, but everything lined up. And I was like, wow. Right. I, I knew there was something about my autism. I'm trying to make a joke here and I'm trying to, it's, it's a self dig or a self gender dig, but my autism just feels like it deserves to be paid more. And I, <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> oh, I but, just got it. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to tell you was, and I'm going to fully illustrate this right now. In high school, I was among those who was cripplingly insecure. I felt in the presence of others that they were judging me the way I looked, the way I talked or walked, who if I was forced into a social situation, I was in the room, but I was not there, like <laughs> waiting for it to end. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe if I was at say open mics, live music shows and high school functions, there would typically be someone who angelically saw the person and they would be the one to notice that, approach them and say, you're here. We want you to be here. I want you to be here. Uh, yeah. Relax, sit with me. Or they would ask me about myself and my music. Those people were so special because maybe I could feel comfortable around them or maybe they nurtured me being more comfortable in my own skin, at least well before I did. But this is a long drawn out way of saying the essence of those experiences and the essence of the personalities of such kind people is uh, something that I just felt was very much resembling what I heard when I heard your voice. If I'm going to be putting out a show about artists with artists, the best thing to hear at the top of every episode is your voice saying welcome to the show. For me, at least, most importantly, me. It, it was just important to have anyone who listened to my podcast to hear your voice and be like, I feel disarmed and warm. That, that is so good to hear. It makes me feel like the unconditional love I feel for humans really comes across in the way I express myself, which, of course, being understood, being clearly understood, what I mean is the one thing that I strive for above pretty much all else. And the thing I have the most anxiety over is, am I being understood right now? So 
that is really great to hear. We're becoming best friends. Yes. Um, anytime we, we hang out, it'll take two weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. As I am with lots this of people, a, quite honestly. I wouldn't be doing my job as an interviewer, should I call myself <laughs> an interviewer, without mentioning you are a freelance graphic designer. Well, the truth is I actually haven't updated my website in a bit too long. And for the past oh, year... Oh, snap. This is from been... 1990. I'm sorry. Ah! <laughs> so for the listeners, my website has a big header that says, I'm a freelance graphic designer. I'm going to change Mm -hmm. that to versatile graphic designer because I do a lot of things. And I currently very happily work as a uh, UX designer, which stands for user experience for an awesome company called Moon Farmer. But before that, as was advertised, I was completely freelance for three years or so. And it was working. It was really cool. I fell into it because I'm very particular and other companies were not jiving with me. Working from home is super important to me and having like that flexibility, being able to work right next to my space heater in my house where I could just suddenly remember I want to water the plants and just get up and do it. Or just describe some rocks. Or just describe some freaking rocks. (laughs) So I started freelancing and I had a support network in the form of my family, which is the only way that I could do it only like a year or two out of college. I would not recommend freelancing to anyone who does not have that kind of support system. For me, it worked and was pretty awesome. I discovered that networking was just making friends with people who have money and want things. I guess it's lucky that I was nice. If anyone else out there is thinking of freelancing, Be nice. And if you aren't, pretend. Where did your fascination with graphic design come from? Well, I didn't know it was a thing that existed until uh, about two years into college. It's one of those career fields that a lot of people just don't know exist, somehow including guidance counselors. Before (laughs) I was doing graphic design as a major in college, I was doing engineering, which I loved but kept failing math classes. After I failed, mind you, and then passed the second time around, Calc 1, Physics 1, Chemistry 1, I got the memo. So I transferred schools and switched to graphic design, which I like to think of it, at least the work I do, there's a lot of different aspects of it. I think of it as visual engineering. People are like, oh, you're an artist. That's lovely. No, I'm an artist, but not professionally. I'm a visual engineer. But it really all comes down to people making things that people use and people interact with and creating things that they can interface with that respect them. So much of our technology does not respect us as users. Every website that has advertisements on it, and honestly, every free service out there, it's got advertisements in some shape or another, even if it's just like collecting data on you. It doesn't respect you. It wants you there. It doesn't care if you want to be there. It's doing everything it can to hold you in and hold your attention so that it can suck you for all your worth, which sounds... And not in a good way. Not in a good way. (laughs) But as someone in the midst of the industry, I can promise you it's true. The internet is out to get you. You could be talking about doomsday and you still have that voice. I'm like... (laughs) I'm not even looking for graphic designer, but I'm buying this person. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why I was successful at freelancing. (laughs) (laughs) 
I didn't even hear the quote. I just said yes. I Oh, if only. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you have a creative outlet where it was purely for the joy of it? Oh, yeah, always. When I was doing engineering, I was painting like crazy, which is maybe mm. one of the reasons that I failed Calc 1. But I did some really great work. It was all on cardboard boxes. A couple of those are framed in my parents' house, which is honestly probably the lowest bar for considering if work is good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all through everything, I balance all of my non-artwork with art on the side or in the background. In terms of art that I do now, it's all over the freaking board. Actually, right behind me on the floor, the first painting that I have been working on in years. Oh, it's really cool. Right? I can tell because I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Todd here just jumping in again. It's me in post. And I wanted to do a thing with this next bit, which Milo and I discussed after the fact. And in this moment, Milo was legit just describing a photograph and what they see in it in a lot of detail in only the way Milo can do. So after professionally acquiring a different piece of music by Poddington Bear, parentheses, than the one you'll hear on describing a rock, I then laid it underneath Milo's description of this trash can, and I call this the Describing a Rock spinoff, Describing a Trash Can by Milo and Todd, pilot episode, The After Party of a Funeral. Let's take a listen. I saw this photograph, and I was like, wow, that's a freaking photograph. Let me tell you, picture a trash can, tall, skinny, rectangular, the kind that has an ashtray on top and openings on the sides where you put the trash in. It is filled to the top with PBR cans, which is, for those who don't know, one of the cheapest, grossest beers. Therefore, people drink a lot of them. Stacked up next to it in perfect, beautiful two columns. One is four cans high and one is five cans high. More PBR. At the base of the PBR towers, is two small green glass bottles, what looks like a Wendy's cup tipped on its side, and a single bottle of, oh, I don't even know what it's called. It's that that 40 ounce beer that frat kids will play. Uh, yeah, probably. They call it Edward 40 hands. You, uh, <laughs> it's, it's for hazing freshmen. You take two bottles of these and you duct tape them to the poor fuck's hands and they can't put them down until they're empty. Edward Forty hands. Right. We've okay. got all of these, all of these empty alcohol containers and on top of the trash can in the ashtray is a veritable forest of cigarette butts. Like at least 40 of them, different, levels of having been smoked just stuck all over it like a porcupine. Mm. I looked at this photograph and I was like, this is art. So I commented on it. I want to paint this. And the owner of the photograph said, I will buy this. Therefore, I am painting it. What they informed me soon after is that that photograph was from the after party of one of their dear friend's funeral, which oh, just puts that trash can in a whole new light. The after party of a funeral. Trash can full of PBR covered in cigarettes. Magnificent. Anyway, I show this photograph to a lot of people 
About half of them said, wow, a trash can. I was like, excuse me, this is art! To show them that it's art, I've decided to paint it. Because people see a painting and they're like, oh. That's brilliant. (laughs) Well, some people see that and then some people would walk by and go, looks like my place on a Tuesday. (laughs) But You know what? I love that response too. (laughs) Because that person gets it. Yeah. Describing describing bottles and butts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the spin-off. <laughs> I do have to ask. The question isn't gonna be when is the next describing a rock coming, <laughs> but I, I, I do excitedly bated with affection breath. and not and not in not impatience, but bated breath for any of it. I have re-listened to them. And I have listened to it as good night music. No offense. I love that a um, lot. You know, there are podcasts that the sole intention is to, is to tell a very soft and hour-long story. It's a podcast that people listen to to fall asleep. Yeah. With those pipes? That's a great idea. I love reading aloud. Oh, Excellent. There I could do go. short stories. That would be so much fun. Oh, you know <laughs> what? Okay, I like this a lot. Sometimes I just read aloud on my, on my Instagram, like do a live story and just read aloud and like one right. person watches it and I'm like, this is fine. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Great. When you were starting the podcast, did you sort of have it in mind that you were, that it wasn't meant to be a permanent staple in your life, but you did want to create a body of work on the podcast world universe? I didn't want to create anything at all. My friend who worked at anchor.fm, which we mentioned earlier, he was like, Hey, everybody, check out this thing. Do a podcast. It doesn't matter. Anything. No. Definitely not. No. And he keeps <laughs> bothering us. And I'm like, you know what? All right. What would I like to talk about? Like, because I don't want to do a podcast. And I was like, you know what? I like, I like describing things in like excruciating detail, amounts of detail that nobody wants, but I want it. That's perfect. No one will listen to it. No one will like it. And no one will pressure me to do more. <laughs> So I had just picked up a really cool uh, shelf from someone on Craigslist and I'm sitting in my car. It was such a beautiful day. I had the window open, hoping that no one would walk by and hear me talking into my phone. That was a really nice neighborhood. Gorgeous green leaves. It was sunny. It was nice. But uh, before I start describing the neighborhood in excruciating detail. It's never excruciating with you, Milo. (laughs) So I was like, huh, I like rocks. I I took a rock and that was the pilot episode. And then unfortunately, everyone liked it. (laughs) About a week later, I did another one. Well, everyone liked that too. I was like, shit, doing something wrong here. (laughs) So I I raised my production quality and I got some nice background music and and got a little better with my post-processing. And I gave up at that point and just started doing it. There are some ways in which you and I don't relate because I've I've given a shit for so many years <laughs> and, and my podcast is still not hidden, but it's all good. It's fine. I, I don't care. It's fine. I'll tell you, it's who you know. Um, my friend Brendan worked for Anchor. He loved it and pointed it out to his coworkers and they promote it. That's why it got notability. However, I mean, I'm not going to say it was only nepotism because it is such a weird premise that it got a lot of attention for that in itself. 
I am not full of myself, but I am self-aware and know that I produce high quality things. As far as I can tell, those three factors are why it got popular. Mm. But as you have also mentioned, I haven't updated it in, ooh, uh, I don't know. Why is that, Milo? I have no loyalty to myself or some shit. I, well, I mean, will tell you yeah, that I do have an episode written with a rough recording done, and it has been that way since October. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's semi-fresh. Yeah. My God, it's gorgeous. Maybe my best one yet. It was almost cathartic. Can I just nerd out with you a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about... We're talking about ourselves, but I want to uh, just nerd out about pop culture with you right now. Mm. I particularly, I remember maybe once when I was a kid having a fascination with vampires and pop culture, but my, my nerdism for things has evolved in leaps and bounds. And if I knew <laughs> yes. a million things about the Beatles when I was 18, I knew double that every other time I cycled back to them. If it was worth obsessing over, there's still more to find out and see and collect. And that is so um, true. And Dracula. <gasps> Dracula has come back in full force. So I'm I'm reading the book and I'm I've been watching all three of the adaptations, like Nosferatu and the Bell Lagosi 1930s movie, and of course the very sexy Bram Stoker's Dracula by uh, Francis Ford. Mm-hmm. The reason that I've gone down that rabbit hole. Even though I'm a huge Flight of the Concords fan, I still haven't gotten around until just a month ago to seeing what we do in the shadows. That's fantastic also. Mm. So that's my thing. That's one of the things I've been indulging with in this time. How about yourself? No one asks me this question. <clears throat> There's pretty much two, th- two pieces of pop culture that, well, one of them I've been obsessing over since two- 2018 the Todd Donald show, I know. Oi, oi, listen. Oh, I know. No, no, not this time. Yeah, the movie <laughs> Venom with the big, scary, head-eating space alien monster and the completely gobsmacked reporter um, from New York City transplanted to San Francisco still sporting a ridiculous Brooklyn accent. <laughs> and it's a, the movie is about the space alien and the reporter falling in love. And I love this movie. And I have been reading fan fiction about this movie basically nonstop since it came out. I'm really, really bad. Like, a lost cause. Totally deep in there. The other thing, which I've loved since 2012 or something, is Danny Phantom. The kids' cartoon show from Nickelodeon. I I have the box set on DVD. Reading a lot, a lot of fiction about that, too. I would like to put a little sidebar in here because I said the word fan fiction and people hear that word and are like, oh no. So I would like to take just a second and talk up fan fiction a little bit. Fan fiction is not entirely what people think it is. It is a good deal what people think it is, which is horribly written porn, but it is also beautifully written fiction by people who might as well be published authors, sometimes are published authors, that just take a world set of characters that already exist and just do something amazing with it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of fan fiction I read. I think it's fair to say, though, that there is fan fiction out there that is legitimately better than some stuff that is published or is turned into a movie. Absolutely. And I believe uh, LeVar Burton, former uh, Reading Rainbow, 
Star Trek The Next Generation, Geordi LaForge. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's also known for being a reader. He and, was on Reading oh, Rainbow. Oh. I know that fact. And since we're adults now, he reads short fiction on a podcast, LeVar Burton Read, and that's what it is. And cool. he's read fan fiction on it, or sh- short fiction written by unpublished authors cool. on the internet. And I think that's really, really fucking cool. I, oh, the other thing is that I love terrible art. So that also says something about me. I'm trying to think of an example that I get that. I feel like there are... Gauche? Is that the word? I like... What word? Gauche? I'm sorry. I have Again, to look you, it up really quick. A, I've never heard that word. Yes, it is the word. It means lacking ease or grace, unsophisticated and socially awkward. The new line <laughs> of the Todd Donald show. So there are things that I've liked because they're bad i think i think you could tell by now that and let me apologize again that this is not one of those times where i've been on the rails as a host and i don't even know where they are oh yeah don't worry about it cut whatever you want i'm good off the record there there were a couple moments where we had to say something over again can you imagine that being like mr stanfield i regret to inform you that after we took a look at your tests it looks like you have stage four something I'd like for you to come back and hold on. I, I didn't say that right. Hold on. Let me go back. Um, <laughs> I do it again. You, you, you have stage four. <laughs> but listen, it was so wonderful chatting with you. I, I wish this and um, other chats that I'm able to have during this time, even though I want this to be evergreen. I really do think highly of you and the quality of the work that you do. And I very much appreciate what you did for this podcast. It was a hundred percent my pleasure. Uh, Do you want to promote? Oh, no, we're done. No, no, I'm done. I've decided. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to ask you now to just direct anyone listening to your website where they can see what you do. Maybe even more than my website, check out my Instagram. I've got a link to my, well, relatively new DIY blog. It's not like other DIY blogs. It's dumb. My Instagram is millennial underscore cyborg. Millennial is spelled with two L's and two N's. I got a lot of dumb stuff on there. You want to know how to make soy milk? I got you. I got pictures of construction vehicles like... Oh, the whole shebang. It's good stuff. I have a dog, too. You'll love it. There's no reason not to go check it out. <laughs> and, um, the construction vehicles, I would like to tell you, are a real high point. I think they're so cool. You are all out of reasons to continue objecting to seeing this Instagram. So, for real. Absolutely. I okay, post so my I'm art going there, to, too. And will the trash can... Oh, yeah. The painting will definitely be there. Oh, is it okay if I tell people this? You're the only person I know with two tongues or... Oh my God. Yeah, there's a picture of that too. You can tell people that. Milo got a tongue split. <laughs> and I didn't... <laughs> you can't see it because we're hear on a podcast. I can hear it. I, I hadn't yet had a chance to decide what I felt about it when I first heard about it. And I hadn't yet seen a picture. Not meaning like where my judgment rests. Like I, mm. I'm cool with whatever. I think where I go in my mind is if it was me, what would it be like? Mm. And I think you thought about before. I hadn't thought about before. So like <laughs> I had to imagine it happening by accident. What the fuck would I do? And Ooh, yeah, <laughs> like, mighty unpleasant. Right. So there's a picture of that on my Instagram too. It's cool. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show. 
Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock, in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. Maybe you've been waiting too long outside of uh, Tim Hortons making inappropriate comments to strangers, but if you come inside McDonald's, we'll grease your uh, (laughs) machismo, misogynist bullshit for the feeling of uh, gut rot tomorrow. Keep you docile one more night. I don't know. It's just something like that. That's flawless. Is that a universal thing where drunk, very aggressive type? Sometimes. Denny's Um, is that here. McDonald's yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is also 24-7, but it doesn't have that cliche here. Here, you know, Denny's. We don't, I think Denny's is the one referenced in Conan bits. Oh, Conan probably, Brian. yeah. When you're drunk and at a Denny's at 2 a.m., something like that. And we have a 24-hour McDonald's in Waterloo. I mean, there's two universities near it. Mm. You're, you're guaranteed that since they can walk from the bar to that McDonald's or it's a cheap oh, cab, yeah. it's from from 10 p.m. until 10 a.m. It's it's loaded with the loaded and the worst. <laughs> you're afraid something's going to happen to your car if maybe some year you're working late at a plant that you're working afternoon shift in, but oh, you're hungry no. and you feel bad about yourself. But we also have A&W. That's the other place that's open 24 hours. And I think that's American.